Besides that pay raise, there's a lot more in the 2020 defense authorization law that should please Defense Department civilian employees, in particular on the training opportunities and sheer numbers fronts. Federal News Network's Jared Serbu did some digging into that bill and joins me now with what you need to know. Jared, from the digging you've done into the details of this defense authorization bill, some of the provisions in it seem to have more impact or would have more potential impact on people's lives and careers than the pay raise itself by far. Yeah, I think that's certainly potential. A lot of this is going to come down to implementation. And, and it, it, a lot of these, I would say, were fairly sub, uh, surprising because they were not, I mean, the civilian workforce in general uh, was not really a topic of <laughs> debate during the, the NDAA cycle this year. But there are there are several interesting things here. One is on the training front. So starting in February, Congress is in a bit of a hurry on this. They want DOD to create a new civilian training core. And, you know, we all know that they've put a, a lot of investment into creating specialized uh, professional certification and training programs for the acquisition workforce, for example. But this would broaden that out quite a bit and go back to the, the time frame before defense employees are actually hired and focus not just on acquisition, but also science and engineering and any, any other critical skills gaps that DOD thinks that it has within its workforce. It would set this up initially at one institution of higher education, similar to the way the military services run their ROTC program for officers and then theoretically give them a direct pipeline from those new training core programs directly into the DOD civil service. So again, starting with just one school starting in uh, August of 2021 is when that first one is supposed to be up and running, but they want to expand it pretty aggressively up to five schools in the next year and up to 20 schools by the year 2023. So DOD's got a lot of wiggle room and how it implements this and exactly what sorts of career fields it, it applies it to, but it does really show a new interest among Congress in investing in, in the training and education of a broad group of civilians and not just that acquisition workforce that, that it's been trying to build since those cuts of the 1990s. And so what will some of those areas for training be, do we know yet, besides the acquisition that you mentioned? Yeah, we, we don't know specifically yet. Congress calls out a few examples besides acquisition. It says, you know, science and engineering professions. But but more broadly, it really gives the Pentagon a wide degree of latitude to take it in, in any area that the Secretary of Defense defines as what, what he or she thinks is a critical skills gap anywhere in, in DOD or in the military services. Well, I guess they need to be fleet of foot because with the DOD looking into artificial intelligence and missiles that go seven times the speed of sound to hit Russia back, all these kinds of new technologies. I guess they need a workforce that is also familiar with what's going on in these fields. Yeah, and, and I think they're trying to give DOD the maximum degree of flexibility they can here, too, because the, the, the department itself, to its credit, has been trying to manage its civilian workforce in more thoughtful ways, too, and move toward more advanced concepts of talent, talent management and figure out where those gaps are. And as it does more and more of that work, I suspect it's going to come up with a lot that nobody's even thinking about right now. And I think Congress is probably trying to get ahead of some of that work. And some of what you're reporting also also points to greater civilian control, and that comes from, I guess, understanding and knowledge of some things that maybe have drifted too far into the purely military control domain, like special operations. Yeah, it's a really different tone in how Congress is treating the civilian workforce this year compared to, you know, let's say over the past 10 years, especially over the last five, we've gotten used to these provisions in NDAAs over and over again saying, we want you to cut your management headquarters, we want you to get your civilian headcount under control, get rid of all these useless, faceless bureaucrats. And it's really the opposite in this in this year's bill. There is an increase in the cap in the number of civilians that are allowed to work 
in the Office of the Secretary of Defense, not only, but also in the military services and on the joint staff. Now, those caps are somewhat theoretical anyway, because there's a lot of loopholes that DOD can use to to get through those. But just the fact that that Congress is increasing the cap is significant. And, and they're also explicitly saying, as you said, that they're concerned about civilian military relations, suggesting that the tilt toward control over some of these large DOD organizations has, has, has leaned too far toward the uniformed military side. So they say, reading here, the conferees urged the secretary to utilize that relief that I mentioned, utilize the relief to existing limitations on civilian personnel in such a manner as to optimize enhancement of civilian control of the military. They only call out one example here, but it's it's clearly intended to be broader than that. The example that they call out is the Office of the Assistant Secretary of Defense for Special Operations and Low-Intensity Conflict. And they, they boosted the authority of that SOLIC office a couple of years ago because they wanted more civilian control specifically over special operations forces. But but this bill really does suggest that they think it's a broader issue across DOD. So so that's one thing. But there's also broader issues in this bill that that that, that go well beyond sort of the leadership levels. And, and 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 one of these hints towards something that DOD laid out in its uh, National Defense Business Operations Plan just a couple of years ago when it said that it wanted to stop managing the overall civilian workforce in terms of total headcount or, uh, you know, an, an arbitrary caps on the total number of people that it's allowed to employ. It said that it wanted to manage the entire workforce as a total force, military, civilian, contractor, and use each each type of employee, uh, if, if you will, in the ways that it makes the most sense. And this bill specifically says that DOD is not allowed, not that it wants to anymore, but but DOD is not allowed to manage its total civilian workforce in terms of end strength or, or, or put arbitrary caps on the total number of civilians it employs. We're speaking with Federal News Network's Jared Serbu. Yes, this comes in a context, I guess, of their knowledge, the DOD leadership, that the growth in appropriations is pretty much stopped for the next few years because the budget caps agreed to, I guess, last year will affect the 2021 appropriations. So I wonder if behind even all of that, there's the feeling that we need much more critical thinking on how limited dollars will be deployed when they need to still modernize the force, when they need to develop new technologies, and when the world's getting more complicated and more unpredictable. That seems right to me, and it obviously puts a fair demand, amount of degree, a fair degree of trust in in DoD management officials in deciding what the appropriate role is for a civilian or or military person or or a contractor. But the the point DoD has been making over the past couple of years is if you arbitrarily cap the number of civilians. The result isn't going to be that the work goes away. The result is probably going to be that you're going to use borrowed military manpower to do some of that work, which is going to decrease readiness and also make the work potentially more expensive to do because there have been many studies over the over the last several years that the all-in cost of of having a, a, a you know a military billet perform a certain function certainly can be higher than than a civilian one or a contractor one. So it's all about using the the you know the type of workforce in the place where it makes the most sense. So that means the tooth is really the tooth, and you might see fewer, maybe, I don't know, I'm just making this one up, uniformed coders or uniformed people evaluating AI algorithms, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's 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 certainly potential. I mean, there's always going to be areas where even, you know, even in areas like coders or in cyber personnel, you do need that that Title 10 authority of a uniform behind it, but certainly not in all cases. And we may start to see things like as you say as as you suggest, 
more civilians performing functions in the military's cyber commands, which are very heavily weighted toward uniformed personnel for reasons that have never been quite clear to me at, at this point. But 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 yes, I think, I, you know, a lot of this is, as I said earlier, going to require a lot more study. And Congress wants to see some of that study. For example, one of the things I didn't mention is that they, they appear to not feel like they've got a really good handle on what the balance is in the military's combatant command. So they want DOD to produce a report that shows, you know, what the number of civilians versus military was back in 2014. Compare that against 2019. So kind of foreshadowing that they may try to be looking for some uh, adjustments in those in those COCOMs, not, the, not, not just the geographic COCOMs like Central Command, but the functional uh, combatant commands like U.S. Transportation Command as well. And do we have any sense of whether the administration had any hand in helping to craft these plans, whether they read them, and is there any reaction to them? Because it sounds like something originating, well, the bill, of course, originates in Congress, but was there much collaboration say, from Esper on down. Unfortunately, the administration has become a lot less transparent in the last couple of years about what its legislative proposals actually are. Those used to be publicly released in full text form on the DOD Office of Legislative Counsel website. That's no longer true, so you, you can't see anymore what they're actually asking Congress to do. You know, certain legislative provisions would be copied and pasted basically straight from a proposal into something that, that, that turned into an NDAA. You can't see that sort of thing directly anymore. But as I said, some of these ideas certainly do appear to have originated in that 2018 National Defense Business Operations Plan where DOD itself said there are some areas where we need to see some targeted growth in our civilian workforce. Um, you know, we, we want to manage them as a total force. We want we want them to use them in the places that are most appropriate and just continual cuts to the civilian workforce can be a detriment to readiness, just like continual cuts to military headcount can be. Federal News Network's Jared Serbu, thanks so much. Thank you, Tom. Check out his story now online at federalnewsnetwork.com. There's no place like the beach for the holidays. In Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, you get all the charm and cheer of the season. Plus, 60 miles of nonstop fun. See holiday shows at 10 top-notch theaters. Enjoy perfect golfing weather at 90 scenic courses. Be dazzled by five holiday light displays. And get seasonal Southern Eats at over 2,000 restaurants. This will be one holiday you won't forget. Plan your winter getaway at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Cough and cold season is here. Introducing Ricola Max Throat Care, Ricola's most powerful drop yet. It's the best of Swiss nature wrapped around a powerful liquid menthol center for maximum relief from your worst cough and sore throat. Maximum nature for maximum relief. Try the new Ricola Max now, available in the cold and cough aisle. Ricola. It's in our nature. 